Please be seated. In December of 2021, a police officer in Texas was killed in the line of duty. His 18-year-old daughter gave the eulogy at his funeral, and this is what she had to say. I remember having conversations with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty. I have heard all the stories you can think of. My heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me. But as it's happened to my own father, I think I still feel the same. There has been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion. And part of me wishes that I could despise the man who did this to my father. But I can't get any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. When I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road I get to spend time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream. Not to yell at him. Not to scold him. But simply to tell him about Jesus. In my deepest wound, I saw the glory of Jesus. And it has astounded me. New Life Church, we can have this kind of hope. That is what our passage is this morning. That we will overflow with the hope like this, 18-year-old. I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Romans 15. We'll be in verse 7 to verse 13, main focus being verse 13. It will be up there on the screen, but I would encourage you, if you have a copy of God's Word on your phone or someone next to you, I would encourage you to, to pull that out and read it. But let us read this, the Word of God together. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted you, to the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth. To confirm the promises to the fathers, and so that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praise to your name. Again it says, Rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hope in him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God. Let's pray. And I would encourage you as I pray, you pray. And ask God to do the impossible in your heart to change it. Dear Jesus, I thank you. The God of hope. 
stand here, God, in deep need of your grace. Pray you help me. Lord, I, I pray your Holy Spirit will use your word to change hearts, change minds. Only you can do this, God. Lord, I pray that our time will be sweet, a picture of heaven. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the rescuer. In your name, amen. Pastor John Piper said this, When you are full to the brim, you will spill when bumped. What do people feel? Acid or grace? When you are full to the brim, you will spill when bumped. What do people feel? Acid or grace? What is your heart full of? Do you know how to figure that out? Look at what spills out in your words and your actions when life gets inconvenient and difficult. What spills out often shows you what your heart is full to the brim of. Right here in verse 13, we see what should fill our heart. Joy and peace so that what spills out, what overflows, is hope. I want to be fully transparent with you, New Life Church. Last night before bed, and I'm sharing this with permission from my wife, I got into a conflict with Allison, my wife. I had every opportunity to do what this text says, and I had every opportunity to do what I'm going to share with you today, and I chose not to. And in the back of my mind, I I knew that I would have to be standing up here this morning sharing with you. And I share that with you first, just to remind you that I am up here only because of the amazing grace of God. That's the only way I am saved and rescued. I also say that to let you know, I know how hard it is to overflow with hope when life bumps into you. I know it all too well. And I say it hopefully to encourage you. Sometimes it feels like you're the only one who's struggling. You're not. I'm up here. And I'm struggling. But there is great hope for me and for you as we look at what God has to say. In verse 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. I I just, I want to zone in on that. The filler of your heart is the God of hope. Now hope generally is just the expectation of something good in the future. Everyone wants hope. Everyone sitting here, everyone watching online, they want hope. You want hope that you can rely on and cling to. You hope you will find fulfillment in that career. 
You hope that you can make peace with yourself after messing up yet again. You hope that you won't be stuck where you are now in five years. You hope that you will be a better parent or spouse. You hope that this medicine or therapist will fix you. You hope. We all hope. But what do we usually go to for hope? We go to our bank accounts, our government, our careers, our relationships, our family, our own willpower to get what we hope for. New Life Church, what do you hope for? And what do you hope in? The things I so often put my hope in is not perfect. They change. They're corruptible. Worst of all, they can't change or save the sinful heart. So again, what do you hope for and what do you hope in? I mean, look around us. Look at how everything seems to be so messy. There's a large demand for hope, but real hope is in short supply. With that in mind, look again at verse 13. May the God of hope. How is God the God of hope and how is he different than anything else we have hoped in and been abandoned or hurt or left wanting more? How is he the God of hope? Look there in verses 8 to 9. Because we get a beautiful glimpse of how God is the God of hope. First, we see that Christ became a servant. And as we say all of this, a, a biblical hope is confident trust that God's promises are true. That is a biblical hope. Confident trust that every word that comes from God's mouth is true. Verse 8, it says, For I say that Christ became a servant of the uncircumcised. So that is the Jewish people. Christ became a servant to save his chosen people, those in Israel. And it's so easy to hear, Christ came as a servant, and it go in one ear and out the other. But take a moment to realize how humbling that is. Listen to this in Colossians 1, 15 to 20. I think it just beautifully makes us in awe of the promised Savior who came as a servant. Listen to this. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn or the, the first over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. By him, all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. They just stop right there. He is first overall. All things created by him, for him. Creator of the universe. Everything seen and unseen. Listen to this. 
For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile everything to Himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. This is good news. The creator of the universe, the one that everything's made for, came as a servant. His blood shed on the cross to save you. This is why he's the God of home, of hope. He came as a servant. Most of the other things we put our hope in would not go that far for us. And none of the other things we put our hope in including our own morality and goodness, can achieve what Jesus did. Our salvation. How is he the God of hope? Because God came here as a servant to serve you, New Life Church. Why else is he the God of hope? I love this. Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the fathers. God made promises to the fathers of our faith that he would send a savior to suffer to save rebels like me and you. And he kept that promise by sending his own son to suffer the wrath reserved for you. He is the God of hope because if he went that far to keep his promise about his own son, which of his other promises won't he keep? The answer is none. He will keep every single promise if he went that far to serve you. Promises like the ones that he will save completely those who call on him. Promises like the one that you Christian will live to see the death of death, the death of sin and sorrow. Promises like the ones that he won't abandon you. Even when you feel like he has every reason to do so. God is the God of hope because he came to serve you, because he keeps his promises to the point of sending his own son And look at this next part in verse 8. So he confirmed the promises to the fathers and so that Gentiles, that's you and me, may glorify God for his mercy. God didn't have to save anyone, especially not you and me. But he graciously poured out his mercy. And if you look real quick, it tells us why God did this. So we may glorify God. That means rejoice. That's why in the next couple of verses... It quotes the Old Testament over and over again about singing praises because the root of Jesse, the Savior, Jesus, has come. Real quick, does your heart overflow overflow with joy because God has shown you mercy? He does not give you what you deserve? Total separation from God forever if you believe and repent? So why is the God, the God of hope, Because he became a servant to the point of death. Something, the things that you hope for and hope in, most wouldn't do and none can save you. 
Why is he the God of hope? Because he kept his promises. When most things that we hope in don't even personally make us promises, let alone cannot keep them perfectly. Why is he the God of hope? Because he shows you mercy. Wonderful, beautiful mercy. Mercy that most of what you put your hope in, they will not show you mercy like this. And by the way, for any here in the room or watching online, for those that don't believe what we believe here at New Life Church, we don't hold on to this hope because we really, really want it to be true. We believe in this one true God of hope because He has so clearly revealed Himself in His Word, in His creation, and in His people. I would encourage you to talk to one of us about that here. Write it on the Connect card. This hope can be true of you if you believe and follow. He's the God of hope because unlike any other hope, He is unchangeable. Listen to this from Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that He might lie or a son of man that He might change His mind. Does He speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? The answer to those two questions are no. No. He speaks and he acts. He promises and he fulfills. Now, the amazing thing is, God added humanity to his deity in order to die on the cross to save us. He became like you and me so that his blood could be shed to save you. But he is not like you and me in that he is not fickle. He doesn't make promises that he won't keep. He doesn't abandon you or leave you at a moment's notice. He is unchangeable. So again, look there at Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. Real quick, let's, let's dig into this joy and peace. Joy is a deep happiness. A deep happiness like Job had when he lost everything yet was able to get on his knees and say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. A deep happiness like Paul and Silas when they were in a dungeon singing hymns and praying even though they had no idea if they were going to make it through the morning. Deep happiness like the reformers who were able to go to the stake about to be burned but as they were going, they were singing praises to God and praying for those who were going to burn them for their faith in Christ. This is joy. A deep happiness. How can we have joy? Think. When you get that phone call, when you get that text, when you lose your job, when you know you have to leave your job, when you know you have to move, how do you have deep joy? It's because of who He is. A sweet example of this is Genesis 16.13. I love this. So this is a, a woman named Hagar. And she was, she was being put through the ringer, suffering. And God met her where she was at, And this is what she said after she had her experience with God. She named the Lord who spoke to her. And this is what she named him. You are El Royhi. For she said, in this place have I actually seen the one who sees me. That name for God there is the God who sees me. We can have joy because God sees you, friend. Why else? 
Can you have deep happiness when you lose everything that you love because of your salvation? It was your sin that held him there on the cross, our sins on his shoulders, our life bought by his death and resurrection. We should be the most joyful people. Like even when you look at the world and you fear for your children, even when you have to watch the inevitable happen to your loved ones who are growing old, even when that happens, you are joyful because God is the God who sees you. Because it was your sin that held him there on the cross. That's joy, deep happiness. May the God of hope fill you with deep happiness and peace. Peace is calmness on the inside, even when everything is going wrong. How do we have peace? When you get that phone call, that text, that diagnosis, when you lose everything? Same reason we can have deep happiness because of who he is and what he has done. In Ezra and Nehemiah, this phrase is used over and over and over again. Because the hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. If you are here, you are a believer. This has been true of you since before the world was created. God's hand on you. Through every mistake, every fear, every sorrow, every joy. Every bit of doubt, confusion, worry, anxiety. God's hand was on you and will be on you until the day you die. Why else? Because you have a blessed assurance of your salvation, blood-bought by the risen creator of the universe. We should be the most peaceful people, not panicking, doubting, exploding, or unable to wait. And what's interesting, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. Like salvation happens the moment the Holy Spirit brings you to turn from your sin and believe. But the Christian life is a life of continuing to believe until you breathe your last. I'm confident that most here have probably made a profession of faith. But if there isn't continual belief, there was definitely a profession of faith, but maybe no actual faith at all. The Christian life is one of continual belief. And just look real quick. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. And look at the end of the verse. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's good news. It's God who fills you. That would be a mighty load to bear if you were the one who had to fill yourself with joy and peace and hope. We couldn't do it. It's God who does it. I am so thankful. But the question is, as we read this, is how? I'm having such a hard time. I'm so scared about the future. I'm struggling in this relationship with this person. How can I be filled with joy and peace so that I overflow with hope? James chapter 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. How are we filled with joy and peace? 
I love, I love uh, grilling meats. It's one of my favorite things. What I've recently been doing is uh, marinating not just meats, but vegetables, I try, um, with apple cider vinegar. So I put it in a Ziploc, let it sit for a couple of hours. It's delicious. This is how we're filled with joy and peace. Not marinating in apple cider vinegar in a Ziploc bag. But marinating in the word of God as you pray. Soaking in what God has said here. Looking for what I call nuggets of joy. And what, that, what I mean is, just as you're reading, you have your nose in the book looking like, okay, what does this show me about God, about salvation, about the world? Like, what does this show me? And, and taking it and unpacking it like we're doing here. You can do this at home. And taking it with you. Nuggets of joy. Taking it with you throughout the day. This is how we are filled with joy and peace. Marinating in this as we pray. It also might mean cutting out things that encourage your criticism, doubts, bitterness. I've had to do that. Even with preachers or certain authors or social media accounts that were were Christian, but they encouraged this part of me that wanted to criticize and, and become kind of bitter. I had to cut them out because I realized this is not filling me with joy and peace. What are you doing now, New Life Church, to marinate, to be filled with joy and peace? Now, we have talked about the filler of our hearts, the filling of our hearts now, the spilling of your hearts. How does overflowing with hope work? In Matthew 15, 18 to 19, this is what Jesus said. What comes into the mouth comes from the heart. And this defiles a person. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual moralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. Like Jesus makes it very clear that what comes from a person comes from the heart. The focus here was on the negative, but you could see here in this text that It means the positive is true as well. When you are filled with the things of God, you will overflow with the things of God. What naturally fills and overflows from the heart? Sin or acid, like in the quote that we read in the beginning. Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is deceitful, more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? That's your heart, which by the way, don't follow your heart. Don't do that. Don't listen to your heart. It will lead you astray over and over and over again. This is what we are naturally filled with. And think about it. When worry, bitterness, insecurity, or fear fills you, what overflows? Like when life bumps into you, like you make a mistake, something doesn't go as planned, someone hurts you, your ego is threatened, you're scared, you're uncertain. Like when life bumps into you, you're filled with these things, what's going to spill out? Criticism? Fishing for compliments to make yourself feel better. Snapping when frustrated. Putting yourself down. Exalting yourself. Exploding in rage. Being passive aggressive. Gossiping. Getting defensive. Withdrawing. Physical abuse. This is what overflows when your heart is filled with sin from our deceitful hearts. 
But this is saying that we should overflow with hope. And if you remember, hope, biblical hope, is a confident trust that God's promises are true. And when you overflow with hope, I mean, that's what will spill out and overflow everywhere. I think about tomorrow. I, I, I have to do something that I, makes me nervous, but I believe it is obeying God. And the natural part of me wants to panic, be worried about what I'm going to say or these people are going to say. Like th- that is my natural part to overflow with worry. But I'm working on trusting. I know I have to obey God this way. Which means, if I'm trusting Him, I'm trusting... When He commands me to do this, it's for the best that I do it. That even if I don't get the results that I've been praying for for months, He's good. And there's a reason for it. This is what it means to have hope, confident trust in everything that God has said. Like it means you don't panic when you look at the news, but you trust heaven is a better home. It means you don't give up on that person because you know God can change the hardest of hearts. You don't give up praying for them. It means you choose to rejoice and believe the best about a person instead of criticizing them over and over and over again. It means you forgive because the reward for doing that is sweeter than holding on to hurt. This confident trust means you don't meditate on your worries, but instead fight to believe God's promises. It means you confess your sins to God and others because you believe bringing your sin into the light is better than keeping it in the darkness. It means you don't lash out in anger because you believe God's way of patience is best. This kind of hope means when you do mess up, you don't give up or spiral because the God you trust will forgive you. He is ready to forgive. So so what what does this mean for us practically? This confident trust in everything that God has said. Husbands and fathers, there's a reason in Scripture men are specifically told to be understanding with their wives and to not provoke their children to anger. Probably because naturally, sinfully, maybe we're harsher. We're not understanding. Take this seriously. Husbands and fathers, lead this change in your home by having your kids, your family, your wife get on your knees and ask God to help fill you with joy, peace, and hope. Husbands and fathers, you have a big responsibility. But by the Holy Spirit's power, you can do this. Parents, you have pressures weighing on you that your kids just don't see and they don't understand. It's hard to overflow with hope when you're worried about the bills, about that medical procedure, about that family situation. And first off, I just want to say, remember, the God of hope is the God who sees you. He sees what's weighing on you. He sees how hard it is to overflow with hope. He sees. But parents, by the Holy Spirit's power, 
you can do this. I think one of the most important things all of us, husbands, fathers, parents, can do is apologize when you fail. And by the way, this makes me so so thankful for the gospel because you're going to fail. Parents, husbands, fathers, mothers, employees, children, bosses, you're all going to fail at this. You're all going to be filled with the wrong things and spill out with the wrong things. But thank God for the gospel that you don't stand before Jesus based on the good things you've done or based on what Christ did for you on the cross and off the cross. New Life Church, I just want to remind you, you can do this by the Holy Spirit's power. Be filled with joy and peace and overflow with hope. Now, real quick, before we end, what happens as you overflow with hope? A lot, especially in your relationship with God, but you will be a sight for sore eyes because everyone around us, if you just look around, everyone seems to be full of bitterness, worry, and criticism. It's everywhere. Oh my goodness. If you were to be filled with joy and peace, overflow with hope, you would be a sight for sore eyes. Unity would happen. Like Paul talks about in verse 7 of chapter 15, that we will accept and welcome one another. Yeah, that's going to happen if this is what we're filled with. Christians will be encouraged and convicted. What you say about God to those far from Him, like it's going to be confirmed in how you live your life. Or your, your hope and desire. Your, your hope for God overflowing from you will give an opportunity to share the reason for your hope. Grandparents, I was thinking of you this week. I know you're worried about your grandchild's salvation. Especially when your children are not saved. By the Holy Spirit's power, you could be filled with joy and peace, overflow with hope. So your grandchildren can see this is real, this is good, this is true, this is sweet. So I want to ask again, when you are full to the brim, you will spill and bumped. What do people feel? Acid or grace? Being able to stand up and say what that young lady did at her father's funeral, that doesn't happen on accident. If you are here and you have believed in Jesus, make this your prayer. God, fill me with all joy and peace. What I wanted to do is I wanted to pray verse 13 over us that God would do this in us. And what we will do is we will go to communion. So let us pray. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Dear God, I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you, they will see the hope that you offer. 
Bring them to a place where they will trust in you as their Savior. Save them. I pray for every dear, blessed believer here. Fill them with joy and peace so that they will overflow with hope. God, you got to do that in me. Make us hungry to be filled with joy and peace. Help us to marinate in little nuggets of joy as we read your word. God, please help us. Fill us. Jesus, I pray that as we go into our time of communion, we will remember what you have done for us. In your name, amen. In the song Red Letters by David Crowder, this is, this is one line that stuck out to me this week. His arms spread wide where mine should be. Friend, Jesus' arms were spread out on the cross where your arms should have been, suffering the punishment of your sin. But Jesus took the punishment of your sin on himself. That is why every month we come together and we partake in communion. A beautiful symbol of how Christ's arms were on the cross where ours should have been. So with these two symbols, the cracker, the wafer, and the juice, we take time to remember how our risen Savior's blood flowed from his veins as he took on God's wrath so we could be saved from our just punishment. The bread is meant to remind us of Jesus' body, that it was broken for you. And if any of you need a communion cup, um, Vicki is in the back there and can give you one. The juice remind us of Jesus' blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Now before we partake in this together, I want to give two warnings because Scripture gives these two warnings. This time of remembrance is only for repentant believers. It doesn't mean perfect, but repentant. If you are here and you do not believe in Jesus, I would encourage you, do not take part in what we are about to, but you can watch and ask questions after. There's also a warning here that if you have believed in Jesus, Scripture makes it clear, you are in rebellion of God's commands and you haven't confessed it, you shouldn't take part. But again, it's confessed sin that you are turning from. You're not perfect. If you're supposed to be perfect, I wouldn't be up here doing this. Make things right with God first. And what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to give us a moment. Before we eat the bread, drink the juice together, I'm going to give you a moment Believer, confess your sins to God. Search your heart. Ask Him to reveal what is in your heart. Take time to thank Him and praise Him that His arms were stretched wide where ours should have been. Let us quietly search our hearts.